Welcome to another edition of the official Jets podcast powered by Amazon Web Services. It is Monday, April 6th, 1.30 p.m. On today's episode, double draft duty here. EA and I caught up with Daniel Jeremiah of NFL Network. He does a great job there. And we talked, of course, all things draft. And then later on in the show, we'll hear from Dane Brugler of The Athletic. And Dane and I go through different Jets scenarios, rounds one through three. So you don't want to miss that as the draft just a couple weeks away here. But first things first, EA, how you holding up over there in Florham Park? Uh, green's beautiful day. Uh, sun is out. I'm going to make sure I get my solitary exercise in. But hey, listen, the draft is only two and a half weeks away, Greens. It is happening. It is going to provide a great diversion and an outlet for sports fans, specifically NFL fans and Jets fans. So uh, I'm getting pumped for this virtual draft. It's not what we thought it would be. But we're going to make do and and make this the best thing possible. All right. First things first, NFL draft analyst Daniel Jeremiah. Here's the interview, and EA and I will break down right after. Goes without saying, but first things first, how has this pandemic been affecting your day-to-day basis and then really affecting the draft and how to evaluate these prospects? Well, you know what? First of all, our, uh, you know, our family, our thoughts and prayers with everybody in your area there, because I know uh, what we have in California is one thing. What, what you guys have been dealing with work is, is totally different. So uh, we're thinking about you guys praying for, for your community. But um, for me personally, I may be one of the only people. It hasn't really been that different. Um, I didn't get a chance to go out to Money Pro Days, which I, I would have probably gone out to another six or seven pro days. Uh, but other than that, I mean, I'm home. I'm watching tape. I'm preparing for the draft, uh, you know, looking at different teams uh, on the phone, which has been it's been interesting because with the general managers all at home right now, um, there's not as many people popping in their offices. So I've actually had more conversations with GMs around the league in the last few weeks than I have prior to any other draft. So it's been good for me from a communication standpoint. Uh, obviously the kids are home, uh, you know, doing school from home, but my kids are a little bit older. Uh, my youngest is 12. So uh, they're, they're self-sufficient and uh, everybody's doing quite well. Great to hear that everybody is doing well. DJ, you were a former area scout yourself before you took the job at NFL Network in 2012. How do you think it's impacting those guys specifically area scouts national scouts the guys who were on the ground throughout the year and now the elimination of pro days the elimination of the prospect visits to the facility how have things changed and how are guys relying on the computers now as far as getting to know the prospects at the end of the process well first of all i think you're going to find out who was diligent during the fall and, and who were the guys that weren't procrastinating saying oh i've got time i can talk to this person on campus when i'm there for the pro day i can catch up with this player at another point in time down the road if you were diligent and really doing your homework on these kids through the fall as an area scout or a cross checker national scout uh, it's going to really benefit you during this time because again we can all figure out the players. You can watch the tape and figure out who can play and who can't play. The challenge, and a lot of times you miss on these players because you don't get to know the person. And you've had chances now with the with a good number of these guys to, to be around them a little bit in the fall, out at practices, talking with coaches and seeing them practice live in person, go to games, see them at all-star games, see them at the combine. 
to me, I, I think there's enough there to really get a good handle on these guys if you've been doing your work. Now, uh, in terms of some of the scheme stuff, as the coaches come into the process, how do these guys retain your information that you want to see? Uh, you know, teams are trying to be creative with that, with, with Skype and FaceTime, doing something like we're doing right here, uh, get a chance to email the kid a, uh, you know, a playbook, a really, you know, tiny playbook and then say, Hey, we're going to Skype you get in touch with you tomorrow and we'll go over these things. And you're, you're really, it's, it's almost like recruiting uh, because you're allowed a couple of contacts with these kids per week. So I know some prospects and talking to them, you know, some teams, you know, multiple times a week, they're having basically these sessions with them uh, to really get to know them. So look, you find a way. Uh, don't be the guy that that uh, is sitting in your in your house as a general manager saying, "Well, we're we're screwed this year." You know, what am I supposed to do now? Figure it out, find a way, and figure it out. And I think most people are doing that. So the Jets have four picks in the top seventy nine, and if you were to look at their needs per se entering this offseason, you'd probably say receiver, tackle, edge, and corner. So if you're Joe Douglas, like, what's your ideal scenario here in those top seventy nine picks? The four selections there. Well, I would look at it and just say a couple of those positions being filled. I think you pretty much hit on all of them. Um, in a perfect world, you get one of your top tackles to fall to 11. And, you know, is, is that guy going to be there? I mean, there could be, you know, three or potentially even the top four guys go. If the top four guys are gone, I, I don't see them taking the fifth player at that spot. And to be honest with you, I don't know the order that they have them, but I would imagine it might even be a case where it's the top three. You know, if one of your top three tackles is there, you pick them. You've got to address that, you know, even with what you've done. I like Fant. You know, it's a high upside signing there in free agency. Uh, Chuma Adoga's got a lot of ability, but he's not there yet. I still think there's a need at the tackle position. So that's the perfect world where that's there for you at 11. Now with these picks, with the two and the two threes, now you get a combination of a receiver, a corner, an edge rusher, you know, what, whoever the best available player is. And I have a feeling that if they don't go receiver at 11, man, they're going to have some really intriguing options there in the second round. Uh, you've been doing some great things on your Twitter account at move the sticks. I watch you every day. Uh, very recently you were looking at Jets wide receiver coach, Sean Jefferson's son, Van Jefferson. And you have a lot of good thoughts towards <laughs> him. Um, let me ask you something, though. The wide receiver group this year, tremendous depth, and everybody like yourself has been talking about that. Give me a couple other position groups that re- you really like down the line, maybe beyond the first round in terms of depth. Yeah, well, look, you've got the receiver position. I think the running back position is is a really solid, deep group. Uh, I think that's going to kind of go into the third, fourth round. You're going to see good backs there. Uh, another one – when you look at the linebacker position before the combine, you know, I kind of done a once over on this linebacker class. I wasn't super excited about it. And then, man, you watch all these guys run and work out, go back, you watch more tape. I think there's more depth there uh, than maybe we initially thought. Now that's an area the jets are in good position. I don't see them going linebacker anytime early in the draft, but there is some depth there. Corner is solid. Um, it's a solid group. I maybe a little bit disappointed with where we ended up at that position, but I think there is some depth in that second, third round. Guys like Damon Arnett, uh, guys like Jeff Gladney from TCU. Uh, I think those are good second round type players. Uh, they're going to be there when the Jets are picking if they wanted to go with the corner. Uh, but really, you know, to me, I would say that the position that really stood out the most outside receiver would probably be running back. 
So in terms of receiver for somebody like EA and you talked about on your Twitter, like Van Jefferson, even somebody like Brian Edwards out of South Carolina who didn't have an opportunity to participate in the senior bowl, the combine, like how much is their stock affected by not being able to show these teams that one, they're healthy and two, just not having the athletic testing that they could have proved at the combine. I I think the athletic testing is not as big a deal. Uh, The medical is that's the whole thing, you know, so where are they uh, health wise? And this is the challenge for for these players and for these teams. It's really the biggest hurdle they have to overcome is trying to get updated medical information on these players. So, you know, in free agency, they were very proactive in terms of sharing information. And, uh, you know, I'd be anxious to see how this thing all comes together with these combine recheck players that aren't going to be available to be rechecked. So it's going to be kind of on those agents to to get updated information to these clubs so they can be comfortable with where these guys are at health wise. But I, I do think there's probably a round penalty, which means that, you know, Van Jefferson probably you know, there's a chance he could have gotten the second round. I think he's a phenomenal player. But because of this a little uncertainty there, maybe that he drifts into the third, maybe potentially even to the fourth round. But I would say the third round is probably his sweet spot. Um, and it's, it's like that for a whole host of players. Edwards is another one. Um, you know, there's a little bit of a concern with his top speed. But his game is all about physicality and, and toughness and uh, contested catches. So I don't think that will cause him to drop. Just trying to get, the, again, the updated medical information is going to be the challenge. DJ, do you like the way Joe Douglas did approach free agency? He targeted needs. He yep. set ceilings in terms of his targets. He also said, we're going to wrap a bow around Sam Darnold. We got to protect our franchise quarterback. And also he talked about flexibility in terms of, hey, listen, I don't want to go into the draft and have this glaring need. So um, what did you think about how he kind of maneuvered throughout the first couple weeks of free agency? Well, I thought he did a good job. You know, Joe had a plan in, in talking with him prior to free agency. He had had it mapped out of kind of what he wanted to do and what he wanted to get accomplished. He wasn't going to come out there, you know, firing in that first wave. They were going to have numbers and, and stay within that budget. And, you know, the good thing, the exciting thing, if, if you're a Jets fan out there, is, you know, this team right now, they, they've filled holes. They can take the best available player at pick number 11. That's the first thing. The second thing is when you forecast into the future – and, uh, you know, let's we got this year coming up. But once you get to 2021 and get to that free agent class, there is tremendous flexibility and opportunity for the Jets to make a big push uh, in the next offseason with free agency. The way this is set up with the one year contracts, with some other contracts they are going to be able to get out from under. There's going to be a lot of freedom and a lot of liberty there to make a big push. So this is exciting. It's kind of like, you know, I feel like with Joe, if you to a pool. You kind of go down to the bottom and then you can really you can spring up. And and I think right now you're getting a chance to see them kind of come up off the bottom. And I think next year you're going to see this thing really take off with some of the people they're going to be able to add uh, to this mix. But to me, this this offseason was going to be about the draft first and foremost. And free agency was going to supplement what they do in the draft. But to me, the uh, the key additions for the Jets in the offseason have yet to come. They're coming here in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. DJ, so EA and I have talked about this too. Joe Douglas is his first time as general manager, so you can't really get a feel for how he wants to operate outside of seeing 
who we learned from. And you think yeah. of guys like Ozzie Newsome and Howie Roseman. And when talking about trading up, not at 11, but the Jets have capital in the third round to potentially make a move up into the second round or even to the back end of the first round. Can you just kind of talk about philosophically why that could benefit Joe Douglas and the Jets? Well, I think you can make a you can make an argument for that. I, I don't see that happening. I, I think if you see the Jets move around in this draft, they're going to move back. Uh, Joe's very confident in his evaluating ability. He's confident in the group that he's assembled around him, you know, led by guys like Phil Savage, uh, Rex Hogan. These guys are outstanding. So to have confidence there, in a draft that's this good in those middle rounds, I think you're trying to add to that number, not subtract from it. So, you know, short of potentially their number one tackle being on the board at number nine, um, you know, maybe they could go up just two spots and wouldn't be quite as costly. I think that would be, you know, a potential opportunity there. But again, I would say more than likely you're talking about if you're going to move, you're moving back to get extra picks. There's still a lot of holes on this roster. And uh, this year, the second, third round picks, those are too valuable to part with, in my opinion. Do you think there would be a group of players there at 11 if there is a run on quarterbacks early where maybe a team calls Joe and says, okay, we'll give you an extra two or an extra three to move back two or three slots in that first round where you might potentially, do you think there's a situation where he could have a group of players together at that tackle position and potentially wide receiver and say, Hey, maybe it's our best bet to go back because I do have a stack here that have similar uh, ratings on our board. Yeah. I think especially if the top tackles go, um, to me, there's a case you can make to trade back because there's, you know, if you're going to go receiver, there are so many good options there. So if somebody else has one that they're particularly in love with uh, and they want to give you a nice price, a team like Denver that's picking 15, where you wouldn't have to slide back too far, um, the Raiders picking right behind them, uh, a team that looks to be in the wide receiver market could be one of those deals where you get a little something just to slide back one spot. So um, I think those those opportunities would present themselves. I just don't see if there's a tackle that they really like, I can't envision a way they would trade off of that pick instead of sitting there right then filling a need on this football team. And it goes back to the theme that you guys mentioned. You know, Joe uh, knows he's got to protect Sam Darnold going to go as far as Sam Donald to, uh, can take this team. So that to me is number one priority. And if you've got a tackle that you feel good about, you don't trade that pick. All right, DJ, we appreciate you coming on NewYorkJets.com and stay safe out there in California. Uh, you guys be safe, man. It's great to catch up with you guys. All the best. Okay. Yeah, so obviously a great interview with Daniel Jeremiah, who's like he said, one of the only people who's not affected by the, stay at home effect here and the quarantine rules, because this is basically his time to self quarantine preparing for the NFL draft. But what I thought was interesting in terms of Daniel Jeremiah's interview was that he basically said the way that the jets have gone about their free agency so far, it allows them so much flexibility in 2021 and same thing for the draft. And it seems like the emphasis that DJ placed was really on next season. Well, he's the first guy who actually has spoken about 2021 with the Jets saying that the free agency class next year looks very good on paper. And the one thing that I got out of Joe Douglas last week that struck with me, well, I guess a ton of things, but what struck with me was 
depth. He wanted to build the depth of this roster, and he certainly did that so far in free agency. Now, if you're looking for the Jets to make a splash, maybe they make a splash in the draft. Maybe they make a splash or two in 2021 in free agency, but that was definitely not the plan here this spring in free agency. All right, and looking ahead now, let's hear from Dane Brugler of The Athletic, who, like I said, we do a weekly segment on NewYorkJets.com, so you can also check it out there in video form. But Dane and I break down different scenarios for the Jets. So this week we talked about potential defensive players for the Jets at 11, offensive tackle options in round two, and then, of course, capped off by wide receiver prospects in round three. Dane, let's take a look at some scenarios here for the Jets as the draft just a couple weeks away. And an unpopular opinion, I'll say, in terms of mock drafts is if the Jets, in fact, take a defensive player at 11. So do you see that more as a trade back scenario or are there, in fact, players not named Jeff Okuda, not named Chase Young that are worthy enough of that 11th pick? Yeah, I think so. And a trade back's always an option. But if they stay put at 11, um, you know, I think most of us, uh, both fans and analysts, we would agree that offensive tackle, wide receiver, that looks like the two biggest needs and probably the two most realistic options uh, in the first round. But, you know, if the draft played out exactly like we expected every year, this wouldn't be any fun. So let's keep an open mind and let's talk about, you know, players on the defensive side who could be there at 11 and would be worthy of consideration. And I think it starts starts at, at edge rusher with Clavion Chase on. Uh, after Chase Young, there's a little bit of a drop-off uh, at pass rusher, but good chance that Chase on from LSU is that next pass rusher off the board, somewhere in the top 15 or 16 picks. He has that twitchy athleticism, the body bend where he can capture the corner, he can drop, play in space. Uh, he's still maturing physically and technically, uh, but you know, I think you'd like to see him be a little more advanced with his counters, how he uses his hands. But he's a high ceiling edge defender. And you know, we look at the Jets and you know, bringing back Jordan Jenkins on one year deal uh, that looks like a smart move. But uh, I think that no one would look at that depth chart and say, okay, they're done building at pass rusher. They could use more some more help. And I think Chase on would certainly give them that. Now, if they want to go in the secondary, I think that's also an option that would make sense. And it's similar to pass rusher where, uh, you know, there's an Ohio State defender at the top. You look at cornerback Jeff Okuda, the almost near consensus top corner in this draft. Uh, But there's a little bit of a drop off after him. And then Florida's C.J. Henderson, I think he's like Chase on projected to go somewhere in the top 15, 16 picks. And he would make a lot of sense uh, right there at 11. He's over 6'1". He's a 4'3 athlete plays sticky coverage. Uh, I wish he were a little bit better of a tackler. I wish he was a more of a playmaker uh, when you watch him on film, but he's going to be a starting corner in the NFL for a long time. And the Jets could certainly use a guy like that. So the Jets and Joe Douglas clearly want to build this offensive line and the draft is predicated on unpredictability. So let's say that the Jets don't go offensive tackle in round one. And to your point, do take a defensive player. If they were to go offensive tackle in round two, who are some names that make sense there? The one that really stands out is Isaiah Wilson uh, from Georgia, a, a massive human being, six, six and a half, 350 pounds, 35 and a half inch uh, arm length. And he's not a bad athlete for a guy that size. He, he makes it tough on rushers to run the arc, uh, to win inside. So and then in the run game, he creates movement with that that brute strength the mean streak that he has. Uh, you do wish he was a little more technical, technically refined with his hands. Uh, he's only a redshirt sophomore. So the fundamentals, I think, are still catching up with the natural skill 
And that leaves him leaning in space, laboring a little bit. So a little bit of a work in progress as a technician. And his personality might not be for everybody, but uh, that's what we're talking about him in the second round, not the first round. So he has NFL starting potential. He just might need a little bit of time. And I tell you what, that second round is tough for these tackles because we're going to see six or seven going the first round. And then there's a little bit of a drop off uh, that I I don't see many of those tackles falling to the mid second round. Uh, But then I don't think that uh, it might be or it might be a little bit of a reach to take one of those third round uh, tackles like a Matt Parrott from UConn or uh, 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 Tega Winogo from Auburn. Uh, Some of these guys, it might be, you know, where the Jets are sitting in the second round might be too early for them. So Isaiah Wilson might be kind of that perfect compromise there in the mid second. You know, if we were to talk about receiver now in the third round, a lot of fans would be like, you know, what's going on here? Why didn't you select a receiver in rounds one or two? But you and I have talked about this before, and I think it's pretty well documented across the league how rich this receiver class is. So if the Jets were to select a receiver on in round three, they have two picks in the third round. Like, Are we talking about a day one contributor, even potentially a day one starter? And who are some names that you think make sense? Yeah, and that's exactly it. Because of the volume of receivers in this draft uh, that are going to go on day two especially, uh, guys that can make an instant impact, guys that can come in and be productive. So one of the guys I have my my eye on uh, for a team like the Jets uh, is a prospect who unfortunately hasn't had a great draft process, but that's also why he could be available in the third round, and that's South Carolina's Brian Edwards. Uh, he had a knee issue, a minor knee issue, that uh, forced him to miss the last game of the year forced him to miss the senior bowl and then he broke his foot uh training for the for the combine so he's missed basically the entire pre-draft process uh and that could cause him to slip a little bit because we don't have the testing numbers on him before the draft uh and in this crowded receiver class that could be the difference uh you know why a guy like colin johnson or uh you know some of these other receivers could go ahead of him van jefferson who's also dealing with his own injury stuff uh but that could be great news uh for a team picking in the third round looking for a receiver help uh and with edward specifically 6'3 215 pounds big bodied receiver you see that on slants screens crossers uh needs to be a little bit more reliable finishing catches especially down the field but the athletic skills the physicality uh, that's what really can make him an nfl weapon inside or outside You mentioned Brian Edwards. You also mentioned Van Jefferson, two people that have been dealing with injuries in this pre-draft process. Given the status of the world right now with the coronavirus pandemic, you know, how does this affect their stock with no pro day, with no medical recheck? How has the evaluation process changed? It's definitely an unprecedented process. Um, And, you know, with uh, not having the pro days, not having the medical rechecks, not having the the visits, the 30 visits, that's really the big thing. Because when teams invite these guys to the facility, that's when they can have their medical team, uh, you know, do a a checkup and find out more about uh, a guy like Van Jefferson and who had the the Jones fracture in his foot. They can get an update on that. How is that healing? Brian Edwards had the broken foot. Get an update on that. What's going on with that? Uh, Even, you know, from a broader perspective, to a tongue of Aloha, uh, how will that affect him in the early portion of the draft? So it's really going to have a ripple effect. And some teams are going to be a little more uh, risk adverse with how they, you know, they're going to be a little more conservative with, uh, you know, guys that where they know the testing, they know the medicals. Uh, but then you have a team that might have a little more appetite for the risk and take a chance on one of these guys who might fall a little bit. He's got that discount sticker on him uh, because there's a little more risk involved but it could be a a high reward type of situation. Uh, And that could be the case with a guy like Brian Edwards or Van Jefferson. 
So basically what you're saying is Jets fans, don't be alarmed if Joe Douglas decides to take a receiver in round three, considering this receiver class has a chance to be historic. Dane, thanks a lot, and we'll talk to you next week. Great. Thanks, Ethan. All right, there you have it. Brugler's draft board, and that was Dane Brugler. EA, you watch a lot of college football, and Dane talked about somebody out of South Carolina named Brian Edwards, the receiver who had a lot of hype coming into this year. What do you think about a guy like Brian Edwards? Well, I I go back to South Carolina and think about the receivers they had on the outside. He was a teammate of Debo Samuels. Now, different player. Uh, He's not a burner in, in any means, but... He's a guy who's tough. Uh, He'll run good routes. He'll get the contested ball. And in a deep wide receiver class, he is a guy to really watch out for, probably on day three. Right, Greens? Yeah, Brian Edwards, what stuck out to me, what Dane said, he's one of those guys that has the discount sticker on him because teams can't access medical information or they they can't have their teams – conduct physicals that you would normally do on a top 30 visit because they just don't exist anymore. The top 30 visits, unless it's through FaceTime and it's virtual. So the independent doctors might, to Dane's point, might not be so independent and might be a little biased to try to help a player improve his draft status. So a player like Brian Edwards, Van Jefferson, another one, LaVisca Chenault, just going off different receivers who banged up during the pre-draft process and don't have an opportunity to really prove themselves and improve their draft status. So I think it'll be interesting to see where guys who have medical questions go. Obviously, Tua Tagovailoa is a headliner there. But we'll see what happens in just a couple weeks. Again, April 23rd to April 25th. And it's going to be a weird, weird draft considering it's probably all going to be virtual in some capacity. We just don't know the details yet. That was another edition of the Official Jets podcast powered by Amazon Web Services. Very special edition of the episode tomorrow. We got Joe Douglas one-on-one with EA, Brian Billick with Olivia. You don't want to miss it, EA. Stay safe, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. All right, brother.